This episode of Good Sheilas is proudly supported by Nest Legal. Nest Legal are Northcliffe's loveliest lawyers, helping the good women of Melbourne move on from bad relationships, find new homes and make an estate plan that protects their people. They are all female, bar one feminist bloke, and their goal is to make the law less shit for people who need it. Their prices are all fixed and on their website, like a pizza shop. Yeah. Delicious. (laughs) Their website lets you get it all sorted from the couch at 8pm if you want to. Or if you need family law advice, but there is nowhere private or safe in your home to do a video conference, you can have a phone strategy session while you're on your daily walk. Moving on with your life one step at a time. Get started at nestlegal.com.au. Fun fact about Jenny. When her daughter was four weeks old and Jenny was absolutely knackered, she put her daughter down to sleep. But amazingly, her daughter went to sleep so fast that Jenny thought she died. (laughs) So Jenny called an ambulance, but the first people to come was the fire brigade. So bursting into her house were these firemen who looked terrified. They thought they were going to find a dead baby, but they found a very tired mum holding a very pink and alert baby who had no idea what was going on. So that is what we call a reasonable reaction. <laughs> and a reasonable woman. Welcome to Good Sheilas, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a Melbourne comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're longtime friends, short-time mums, and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that has kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilas. <gasps> Hello! Hello, everyone! We have a guest, Claire. We do, we Thank have God. A guest. Thank God. Thank God. We're sick of you. Today we are blessed with a very special guest and a doctor, no less. Okay, we've got Dr. Jenny Kennedy. She's a postdoc fellow at RMIT who's an expert on how AI and automation has gendered has a gendered impact. Her new book, The Smart Wife, looks at the gendered impact of feminized digital assistants who are friendly and sometimes flirty, <laughs> occasionally glitchy, but perpetually available. Welcome, Jenny. Welcome, Jenny. We're so chuffed to have you with us today, mate. So am I. And you have a book out. What does that? What does success feel like? Tell two women who have not who have not seen that in their lives. <laughs> oh, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. Um, it feels like a slog. <laughs> That's what it feels like. When um, the book was just re- recently released, when? Uh, like three days ago here in Australia. Amazing. And so you're rich and drinks are on you. Good. Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> authors make a huge amount of money, especially unknown authors on their first book. So how long did it take you to write? Oh, from the initial idea. So I wrote it with a friend, Yolanda Strangers. And from initial idea to actually handing over the final manuscript to the publisher was probably about two years. Okay, that's a long time. It is a long time. I've had babies in way less. True, true. Um, But (laughs) for a book, it's pretty quick. Especially, like, we're both academics, so the kind of, like, research that goes into it. We spent, like, a year kind of working out the general format of the book and what we wanted to cover, and then about a year writing it. So could you, because I don't think I summarised it, like, it's maybe the best way. Can you tell us what your book... Someone said, you wrote a book. Oh, my God, that's amazing. So did I. Mine was about Bluey. What was yours about? How would you say that? And then I try not to say it like an academic. Um, I try and say it's all about smart home technology and about the way that a lot of the technologies that's coming into our home is feminized in one or a number of ways it might have a female name like alexa or siri it might have a female voice or bronwyn. Or bronwyn. it's a very beautiful name I met, a do- I met a dog called bronwyn once she did exactly what she was told i'm fairly sure google is rebranding siri you are bronwyn now it's a, it's a beautiful welsh Rolls name it means white breast keep going <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, so Siri and Alexa, and then and is there any other ones? I can't. Or they just have Google been Home, okay, um, and that... which comes as a standard female voice, okay. and then it, so there's like the feminization of their names, their voices. Mm-hmm. But there's also um, the main point of the book is that there's feminization in terms of the way a lot of the technologies into the home are designed to care for other people in the yeah. home like a good wife should. Yeah. And that's why we named the book The Smart Wife to be provocative around the idea of who does what in the home yeah. and it's what's expected name. of women it's in the home so particularly. clever. And you were the first woman we've ever met in person on our podcast <laughs> With a book in store <laughs> about this specific subject. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> 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 but, so you're the co-author, uh, did you, Yolanda? Right? She Yolandi. Yolandi, I beg pardon. So she, did, was she studying the same? How did you guys? I, I'm always interested in how two people write a book together. Yeah. It's like I have the exact same idea. I only want to write half of it though. Like, how does, like I've only got half in me. What about you? Like, oh my god, what a coincidence! Oh, I'm, I'm you've insane. got to pick the right person to write a book with. Mm. Did you study together? Like, or how did you find her? Right. So Yolanda and I met at a conference that was, I think it was called Automating the Everyday, or it was something about domestic technologies in the home. And she and I had never met before, and we came in to talk about our respective fieldwork in home environments and technology uses. And both of us were presenting on how, on how the decision-making and the work that goes into setting up new technologies in the home was really gendered in the households mm-hmm. we'd studied, and often it was men that were making the decisions around what devices to buy, how to bring them into the home setting them up like connecting them to the wi-fi network and then troubleshooting when when anything happened and so we obviously met there had a chat discovered that i was moving to the same university that yolandi was working at so just arranged to catch up for a coffee in a few weeks when i'd started my new job and then when we did catch up about our work and we started talking about the things we found really fascinating about homes and technology and just the general kind of rhythms and dynamics of a household of people and objects and spaces and technologies there was this kind of idea in the background that both of us kept coming across what we called the other woman Mm. there was this like this figure in the home that was occupying people's time and attention and for me it was about the kind of housework digital housework that men were doing but for Yolandi who was looking specific, her fieldwork was specifically on households who had adopted smart technologies. She was often finding herself encountering Google Home and Alexa in her interviews because her participants would be talking about the technology and would either purposefully or accidentally activate their smart speaker. Mm. And who would then become like (laughs) an agent within the actual interview space. So we were just, you know, talking about that and just, I guess, geeking out on, like, how much we enjoy that kind of field work <laughs> and, um, and talking about, well, what's the meaning of this? What's the meaning of all this kind of domestic labour that is digitally focused mm. that doesn't fit within our general kind of scheme of understanding of other household labours? But also, what about all these new technologies that are coming in that are you know, packaged up in these neat little containers that are very, you know, politely spoken, that do what you ask and that have female voices and names. And we also both um, had very much enjoyed Annabelle Crabbe's book, The Wife Drum. Mm, such a good book. Brilliant book. Brilliant. I mean, I'm reading that. I read that when I was a new mother and was just yeah it was that's fire in me it really did yes yeah so for our readers the whole concept is that women people reading this podcast (laughs) for for those reading the podcast you are (laughs) incredibly magic i am very very good at living in general but for those of you who are reading this podcast and also that book and also my mind (laughs) this particular book by animal crab is raising the argument that women are now in a period of our kind of social mm. development in our in the way that we look at each other and the way that we interact with with the labor market we are we are we need husbands and we need husbands that act like wives 
and we've built up our lives and the way that we kind of interact with the world in domesticity that we need somebody at home behind us doing the labor and so women who are in the world working need a wife absolutely every turns out everyone working needs a wife we and that was wives. the whole i need a wife i desperately need a wife <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, Yolanda and I were like, what if this smart woman can be the wife? What mm. if she's the smart wife? And that set up the whole premise for the book in terms of what is the industry creating? What vision does the industries have, smart home tech industry have for the kinds of devices that are coming into the home? How does that sit with the kind of research and knowledge we have on t- in terms of Households and home dynamics mm-hmm. and how technologies come in. And how does it play into also just popular imagination about what technology can do for us mm-hmm. and then set against the kind of statistics around housework and labour and valuing of domestic labours, valuing of feminised labours... Um, the environmental and ecological impact of the kinds of devices we're bringing in Mm. all these kind of it just the book just kept snowballing Mm. yeah like we sat down one day and went what about this idea and then it was like by the end of the meeting we had the idea for the book and you knew that it was going to be a book at the start or was it like you're just going to write something together publish something and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and you're like this actually belongs in a book no straight away it was really a book yeah. straight away it was we knew it was that big and I think we were just completely wedded to the idea um, we make quite a few marriage based puns in the book it became <laughs> it's, 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 probably funny. it's for an academic book it is surprisingly <laughs> wow <short> praise <laughs> <laughs> to be a bit sassy we didn't want it to be like you know and it's dull a, and great it's a really relevant conversation because um as technologies change and they emerge we're seeing how agendered they are yeah. and a few months ago jenny you and i had a conversation about sex robots and yes. you went to a particular conference and you had some insights on the functions of a sex robot mm. and what um so there was like flirty sex robot domestic sex robot and then a sex robot which really really had some issues can you oh, talk us about the few. sex robot that, that resists? I got to I got to go to conference I got to give a talk on sex robots which I think is the only time an erect penis has been shown on the lectures hall of <laughs> Sydney Law School <laughs> building sandstone <laughs> dick pic here I am <laughs> so like so you're talking about like how the scale of the book, when we started thinking about it, we're thinking about Alexa, Siri, Google Home, and thinking also of things like smart, um, like thermostats, smart mm. locks. But then the more we delved into it, we're like, oh my gosh, there is just so much more out there. So one of the rabbit holes we went down was discovering sex robots. Mm. And these are, as you can imagine, human-like robotic dolls essentially where not much is actually functional the head tends to be robotic um and the body is just a sex doll yeah they have to move i've watched so many documentaries on it i'm obsessed with it i'm always amazed how do they get someone to admit it yeah and they're quite proud 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 men like like, some of them have like many of these like you know they can't move their arms or legs They, they can't stand up and walk around they do have to like manually move these ladies <laughs> like ladies these very special women like they're they're these robots arms and legs around and get them into the position that they want it like it it doesn't seem like oh that's that's a that's a reasonable um replacement yeah, of a woman this is my wife claire <laughs> the head works but the rest of her is perfect <laughs> Meet anyone that had one? We didn't. No, I mean, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing that we didn't get to try out all the products that we write about. Yeah, you mean you didn't have sex with a robot? I did not have sex. No, I didn't. I'm sorry. (laughs) They came under false pretenses. So they can move things, but their genitals, like they are supposed to, it's supposed to be quite. That's supposed to be the most, the thing that looks most like a woman, right? 
Yes, yeah. So some of them, like, so for example, the first one we met was called, I think, Harmony. So we have Beautiful. a chapter in our book called Harmony. Why um, wasn't it called Bronwyn? <laughs> I mean, it's a really well, good point. <laughs> possibly, possibly there is a version called Bronwyn. I haven't checked I have no Robotics <laughs> website. And no if doubt. there isn't, fortunately, Robotics <laughs> textiles are fully customizable. Oh, so you could always find one to your yeah. exact... It's a really angry Welsh Exact girl. figure. <laughs> Um, they generally, I think they come with something like 42 nipple options. Oh, wow. Um, I did not know that. About nine standard different body types. I think there's six different labia options. Um, all of them have clitorises. Um, important research fact discovered plural of clitorises. You can either use the common vernacular clitorises, but the formal is clitorides. Like octopuses. No, octopuses. Yeah. Of course. Why didn't I ever put the two together? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> so they're just ornamental. And that was one of the things that was really frustrating, is that all of these sex dolls are... Basically for male pleasure. Wait, 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 wait. So the clitorises don't respond. If no. If they're stimulated. No, they don't respond. It does nothing. No. It's just so it looks like it's a real woman. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But the vaginas are self-lubricating and you can remove them and they can go in your dishwasher. Beautiful. <laughs> so. And it's just so <laughs> terrifying. Like, it really oh, is. Gosh. And then they, I think, the, so robotics <laughs> have got um, some quite, you know, got criticised. For only Wait, making... Why? 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 <laughs> why? I don't know why. Is there a about the vagina I can put in my dishwasher? Bronwyn well, loves washing her vagina in the dishwasher. Bronwyn uses finish. It turns out, I guess people wanted penises they could put in their dishwashers too. Oh, like, just cups in this. like your mouth will get pregnant if you put your teacup in with the vagina Does it come dirty dirty man like you have a cutlery tray so do you have a vagina oh. tray oh. Oh. guys oh blokes I'm desperate I'm a very visual person so I'm like really struggling to see trying to figure out what it would look like and it opening someone's dishwasher oh. and being like excuse me Keith is this what I think it is <laughs> Is this for your, is this for Broadway? <laughs> it's basically a flashlight inserted into oh, a silicone doll. Incredible. So they us. got criticised. So they yeah. said, like, you know, you're mm. you're objectifying women. What? They said, fine, we'll make a mouth a man doll too. Oh. Yeah. So along came Henry. Oh hi, Henry. Um, Henry so with the with the nine inch cock. She was a man. She was a sex doll. But the thing about Henry, it was a lovely name, Mm -hmm. very lovely name. Um, But the thing about Henry was, I mean, yes, he has a very erect penis with a very lifelike foreskin and shaft. Yes, I'm like deeply pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm pregnant. (laughs) You will be by the end of this talk. Life, like, but even shop. Henry, <laughs> even Henry is yeah. for, is for men. Basically, he comes yeah, with okay. a bottoms up attachment, uh, oh, depending on which way you want to go. Oh, but Henry, so none of these dolls are basically being made for female pleasure. Yeah, and that's that's the main problem with them. So I've got no problem with technophilia or kinks or whatever. Does Henry have like a mouth for? No, no. He he basically. So all the dolls have soft teeth. They're designed for their mouths. It's a realistic that woman. That is the most horrifying yes. thing. <laughs> like the lolly teeth? Yeah, yeah lolly teeth. They've got lolly teeth. Those, oh, those like... two words together, soft teeth. Like, yeah. I've never heard something so fits wrong. But the people who do the soft teeth, it's either the lucky crazy drunk auntie. So surely these blokes are like, you know, would have to <laughs> start doing this and be like, oh no, this is Auntie Wendy. <laughs> I got it wrong. Wendy, I thought you were my sex doll. <laughs> Henry, are you okay? Take your lollies out. This is too much, Annie Wendy. Oh my god. I'm really upset. This so, is so great. But I'm learning a lot and I'm very uncomfortable, but I am learning a lot. So there was I'm pregnant. <laughs> so there is so there was um, backlash because people were like this is this is only about men. Right. Yeah. yeah. So tell me what, what were some other um, like horrible things that you found out about these mm. sex dolls? 
So, I mean, this comes not just about the sex dolls, but generally about any kind of feminized technology, okay. which is that feminized technology tends to be abused more than technology that is either gender neutral or gendered male. Mm. So, and that kind of abuse that it receives also tends to be more sexualized. Mm. <gasps> okay, so, so when you talk about abuse, because I know I've been cranky at Siri, like I've been, yeah. so I'm just trying to talk to someone, and then Siri will say, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. And I'm like, shut the fuck up, Siri. <laughs> like, I'm not talking to you. I'm only talking to all my millions of friends. So it's, I can get really cranky at her, yeah. but I imagine there would be like, shut up, Siri, bitch, or something like that. So is, mm, is this yeah. kind of the kind of abuse you're talking about, yeah. or is it worse yeah. than that? Yeah. So. A female voice assistant is far more likely to receive derogatory and sexualized comments mm. or insults than one that is ambiguous or male. Mm. And what do I have never heard Siri say anything back like please don't talk to me like that. Does because she? she hasn't been programmed to. Okay. So that's the other problem that. is she was yeah. designed to take that kind of abuse and she has a lot of the developers have shifted um not, I won't say significantly, but they have um, subtly shifted over the last few years because, again, of um, popular pressure. But initially, they were designed to be very demure mm. in their deflection mm. if they were insulted. So there's this great um, UNESCO report called I'd Blush If I Could, which was, Siri, I think it was Siri's response to any kind of sexual slur um, until she was reprogrammed. Uh, but even still, it doesn't go far enough. It doesn't yeah. go far enough to say, "Hang on, that's not actually acceptable. That's not okay." Feels I'm like going to. I'm not going to respond, or I'm not going to. I'm going to shut that. You know. Mm. So Yolanda and I make a number of proposals that we would like to see, and one of them is that there can be a bit more pushback from devices when they are abused, because what we think it's doing is creating these kind of in allowing microaggressions towards these kinds of devices, what we end up doing is feeding that kind of culture mm. in society. Yeah. So that was my, my next question to you, Jenny. I guess a naysayers might say, or somebody listening to our podcast might say, these are robots, you know, these are not people. Someone might listen why? to your yeah. podcast. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> They're reading right now. <laughs> They're reading it. <laughs> but, I mean, we're not, we're not talking about human beings. Why should we care what, how people interact with devices or sex robots? Why yeah. does it matter? It's a good point. It's a good point because we're not naive enough to think that people are getting confused. You know, we know they are machine devices. We know that you know they're not humans, but what it does is it's, it's just an allowance of unsuitable behaviour. Mm. And there are studies to show that, um, especially children, will replicate the kind of behaviours oh. that they see. Mm. Um, you know, like there's classic studies of a child watching an adult punch a teddy bear and then they leave the child alone and so the child will respond and perform the same behavior on the teddy bear as they saw the adult do which is either punching or cuddling mm -hmm. they replicate the behavior so if you think about how many devices people have got in their homes smart speakers are as ubiquitous as smart smartphones now mm -hmm. in fact there's possibly more smart assistants than there are people so a lot of people are living with them in their home. A lot of people are abusing them or yelling at them and telling them to shut up. And then think of how many households have got kids in there yeah. listening to that. And those children are not old enough to recognise the difference between a human-sounding voice in a machine and the humans around them and perhaps a relative or friend on the phone. Mm, it's totally. just a continuum. Yeah, my kids think that Siri's real. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so what happens when a child hears their dad, you know, talk in a way that it's derogatory or abusive to Siri or Alexa or to Google Maps and it's a woman? What, what, what is their brain telling It could be them? to a woman. Like if I said, shut up, Siri, yeah. to like, is it, is it, well, an adult. If they see an adult speaking yeah. to someone yeah. that they perceive or something that they perceive yeah, as a real a person... What is the... What? Well, the risk is that, one, they see that behaviour often enough that it becomes normalised to them, and yep. then they start repeating and trying out that behaviour. Mm. And if that behaviour is something they see only happening to people or to voices that they hear as being female, yeah. 
then how does that correspond to how then they interact with someone else or something else mm. coded as female? Mm. And also how Siri never responds back. So that, no, actually, yeah, there's, no, there's no consequence there's to no speaking to someone like that. That's right. Mm. And when a, if a woman did arc up, they'd be yeah. like, what are you doing? Mm. Like, you're supposed to say... I'd blush if I could or yeah. something like yeah. that. You're supposed mm-hmm. to do nothing. Yeah. Well, I'm really confused now. Yeah. When yeah. I, I remember when I was little, I used to think there was a little man. I couldn't understand what te- how technology works. Honestly, still don't. <laughs> but um, but I used to think in our telly there was a tiny little man yeah. um, making it work, yeah, like running around and pulling things. I was, I was like, okay, how else would it? How yeah. else would it work? <laughs> like, yeah. what do you mean electricity or technology? <laughs> and so I just was amazed that I was like, how does he get food? This yeah. is what a wonderful little <laughs> efficient man and then um yeah so i don't i don't see like kids make sense of things very quickly yeah. it doesn't actually doesn't or it's not often not right mm. but they would be like well siri's stuck in mum's phone yeah. and mum is really mean to her mm. and as parents i think we 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 love to entertain these ideas like i mean stevie still thinks that there's people within traffic lights goblins and this is an idea I built since she was tiny, who changed the colours. And it's a really cute thing. And so, you know, I perpetuated this idea where mm. it's probably time, she's 14, <laughs> <laughs> to, to unpack these concepts. But as parents, we love we love to dwell in the fantastical because we love the idea of keeping yeah. our children young. Yeah. And so these ideas come with kind of Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. You know, we don't shut them down. We don't take time to say, actually, Alexa is not a person. She's not a woman because mm. these fantasies build into our idea of childhood. And so mm. we don't take the time to distinguish yeah. or unpack them. And I guess that builds into this idea of ourselves. So we're like, oh, this is just a robot. I'm going to talk to her, it. It's also disappointing because they're like, "What do you mean she's not real? She has a favorite color. Also, she has a like. They have all. There's so many questions. Like, finding Edie always like talking to my phone. Hey Siri, what's your favorite color? (laughs) And then it's like this answer, like, "Oh, it's like a mixture of green and blue and infinity and or something." And Edie didn't know what any of that meant. (laughs) As soon as she's finished, Edie will go. Hey Siri, what's your favorite car? I think she's desperately lonely, but I, I but I, but it was like, like she's in the car. She's in the car for three hours. <laughs> She'll be fine. She's absolutely fine. I'm about to replace her anyway. But there is there she, but she like she doesn't. If I said, oh, she's not real, mm-hmm. I, I know that'd be disappointing. Yeah. I don't want to disappoint mm-hmm. her. Life's disappointing, and our series real. So broken. Donald so, Trump might be the president, but Jane, why why on earth do all these tech companies make these robots so human? got no idea well why do they make them human they make them human like because they want them in our homes if you think about the if you think about the corporations that are building these kind of speakers and these kinds of devices they're all organizations that trade off the kinds of data that they get on their users Mm. so they want the most benign friendly device in the home so that we're the most comfortable with them. So they're packaged up in these neat containers, they're given female names, they're given soft, soothing voices. And that is partly, it's part of the, it's, part, it's basically it's the, the marketing ploy mm. to make us accept them into the home because we have been acculturated to not feel threatened by women in the home. Yeah. Well, look, I would, if someone said, would you like Siri to be a male or a female voice, I'd choose female. Female, yeah. Choose female because it'd be creepy with a man whispering that they like blue, green and infinity together, mm. whatever that means. But also, I know that in um, sat-navs, I always get confused with that because my mum calls it a cab-sav. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Turn on the cab-sav, Bron. I'm like, I need to move out. I'm 34. No, she's... So mum, uh, so the the sat nav. I know that my you can ch- you change the yeah. the, and I'm sure that some people choose a blokes thing because they mm. feel more comfortable with blokes giving direction. You know how blokes will never stop for direction, and if they do, they have to go into like a servo and speak to the man because there's no way a woman will know where to go. Um, but there is. Um, I know that my brother always chooses this an, a, a Scottish lady because um, he's like such a like, so, so lovely. She's never going to yell at me, even though Scottish women are the angriest women I've met. But he's like, he's like, I just want to feel like she's guiding me there. And if I take a wrong turn, she's going to like gently get me back on course. So it does feel 
like a woman's voice is more comforting mm. but i do like i can understand what the the problem with that is on the other side of like demanding something from her mm. siri tell me this or siri alexa turn on backstreet boys so I, from personal experience, I prefer when women tell me, explain things to me. I prefer when I, I prefer female doctors. I prefer female stenographers. I prefer like um, working with females usually, but I find them much less patronising because mm-hmm. I don't have to come up behind, like against some like enormous ego that I have to be like, uh-huh, you know, or like laugh at their dumb jokes or things. I feel like it's much, much easier for me to speak to women um, often. And I want, I want, like, I'm asking advice. I would prefer usually from women. That's not always the case. It's not always the case. But I would say generally if they said, okay, you have to choose a man or a woman's voice to guide you through life when you're feeling a bit stuck or lost or confused, I'd be like, well, a woman, just because that's what I know. That's what I know. So what is the, why is that? Like, what is the understanding behind that? So that makes a lot of sense in terms of, your day-to-day interactions with other people in that your preference for women is when there is some shared experience that is going to be helpful for the kinds of interaction you're having with them. When it comes to digital devices, there is no such thing as shared experience. And the basic coding that the devices are built from is irrespective of their gender it's it doesn't matter what kind of skin you put on it Mm. they're going like that they're the same they're Mm. the same functionality so when you're engaging with a female sounding device and you apply that kind of social logic to it that it's like oh it's a female there's some shared experience here which is fun like that is what we do as humans we sorry Oh my god! It is so <laughs> So interesting. So we are podcasting, and somehow Siri, Siri we, you're has not made involved. Sorry, <laughs> you're not. So, it's a conspiracy. So interesting. So Apple, just stop calling us. We're not going to promote you, you evil entity. Go away, for please. So as you can stream our podcast for whatever they for hundred dollars would be fun. <laughs> as you can hear, Siri. on my phone is female but my google devices are all set up at the moment with a male device with a male voice because i started questioning like hang on a minute i've got them all it's just as default and how do i feel about this so i've tried out with a male voice and it's going okay he Mm -hmm. can stay for now is it just as calm and soothing it's exactly the same it's exactly the same sentence structures he reads me poems if I ask him if he loves me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, Thank you, Henry. Wow. <laughs> Henry, what are you doing there? I'm very lonely. <laughs> so, like, talking about the whole kind of, like, the, the, the way that we as humans are kind of... We, we like to apply social logic to things. Mm. So if we apply our social logic to these female-sounding devices, then we presume some kind of shared understanding... The understand the the share the basically the understanding that goes into these devices is what has been programmed into them, mm. and it has been programmed into them by a very male dominated society um, industry rather. Mm, mm. So, you have got devices that don't actually know how to offer advice. <laughs> Females have female voiced devices that don't know how to offer female specific device. Such as, you know, where do I go to get an abortion? Mm. Or, um, you know, where do I seek advice or assistance if I think I've been sexually abused? Because they are not matters that have been thought are necessary to code into these devices at their production place. And no, don't they go? Wouldn't they just go straight to the internet? Doesn't isn't that how Siri works? Is she just types whatever you've said into the internet? We don't know. She's a magical. Uh, she's a magical fairy, and she's magical indeed. Yeah, <laughs> she's a little fairy I mean, that lives in my phone. When, when men interact with devices, do they select a woman's voice? Is that a is that an active thing that men choose to do? I have no, I don't have st- stats on that, but the devices come with a default female. And that's and some of the market research, right? They are yeah. informed by what the producers yeah. want of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, they're informed by what they 
think users will want, but also what they think users will accept mm. most easily. Some devices are able to be changed, but others are just, it's the default voice and that's it. Hmm. Mm. And it's, it's an, it, it, I think it's an interesting social reflection as well about what we select, because yeah. I know when I have maps, for example, in my mm-hmm. car, I choose a woman's voice because I'm a fucking terrible driver and I want someone to be nice to me and not be like, you took the wrong turn, you piece of shit. My voice uh, is very soothing, Claire. Would <laughs> <laughs> you like my voice? Yeah, the driver with branches. Very angry. Because Claire drives on the wrong side in reverse and just like everything is terrifying. It's the worst side in Britain. Okay. <laughs> but when, so I've been doing this now. Exactly. <laughs> Who knows where I am? <laughs> course to try and be a better human being not working so far but you have a choice between a woman's voice and a man's voice and the default is woman and it teaches you how to be a better person that's the whole concept i have chosen the man's voice why I, I don't know i and this is a this is a really kind of interesting thing to unpack yeah. here i feel because it is a, a, a place of authority a place of telling me how to change and I'm, and I'm, I'm only reflecting on this as we have a conversation yeah. it came with a d- default as the woman's voice and headspace and I have actively chosen the voice of a man to help oh, me guide me through self-betterment because it felt more authoritative and that is I, I guess symbolic of the broader issues we're talking about we feel like women appease and reflect and they guide you but without being directive whereas men tell you what to do that's really true yeah i mean like i think there's so many different ways to think about it and there's only God, we could have written five books in terms of the things we unpacked and how what we wanted to fit in yeah, it must have been really hard to be like you andy too much yes yeah, exactly. put it down put that idea <laughs> away uh, andy is like a writing demon as mm. well she would just like brush her hand over the keyboard and suddenly we had five extra pages Incredible. in the book whereas i would sit there and cry for my <laughs> five <laughs> sentences for a day <laughs> really shows up like just our um you know how different people's creative processes yeah yeah for sure so this was one of the things that came up in a talk we did you know and i did yesterday one of the speakers talked about how maybe actually you were talking to these people and they have um they no, they can actually answer. Like, maybe we're thinking about this wrong. We're not thinking about them being, like, demure, but actually the fact that they know, they, that they know. have access what to all this? this information. And you think, you think about the woman in the house. So we're now joined with Evelyn, who is Jenny's young daughter. And just like me, Jenny is a single parent, and we have navigated everything with children around because yes. this is the beauty of having tiny kids. But we are... Yeah, I think it's a really powerful point. I think that rather than thinking the worst of this, I mean, in terms of women being kind of demure and bowing to power and and accepting the direction of a man without question, I mean, you know, who in a house knows where the socks are or knows when the next kind of social engagement is or understands what... You know what is needed to bring to school it's always the woman and yes this is a it is a product of socialization and a product of gender inequality in our house but it, it also invents the idea that women have this knowledge and they have this understanding of everybody around them and it is a degree of empathy and listening and kind of personal engagement that the men in our relationships often don't have and so you know in a lot of ways that this is a reflection of the incredible strength and empathy of women Absolutely. I actually, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the things that Yolandi and I are really clear about arguing is that we're not arguing against making any of these devices female. Mm. We're not saying they should be, more should be male, or they should all be gender neutral. We're just saying that if, if they are going to be female, then there should be more variation in terms of the mm. kinds of stereotypes of femininity that they're being built upon. And the reason we use the term smart wife is because we find they're built on this 1950s housewife mm-hmm. stereotype. So if we have more sassy, more variable, more ambiguous, and maybe like genderqueer femininity, mm. that would be really exciting. And also like in terms of like talking about the kind of work that 
we value and that we do tend to associate with women why not elevate that work and value it and show how important it is to us and it is vital i mean like there's like we, you don't need to be passive to be to, to have the answer to something mm. right and it's the the apology that's the problem it's that you know you can insult siri and you can insult you can insult alexa and they do something to me or a flirty that they have the knowledge it's not our problem mm. it's the way that they respond yeah to that's it questions. that's it there has to be well i think when you were saying before i think we um people know that this is like grown-ups know that this is a robot mm. but there's got to be if this is something that you were talking to day in day out mm. there's got to be a slippery slope right mm. where you just so, be like great interesting um well, that movie where the guy felt the guy makes oh, i can't remember last and the real girl no, no. not that one the oh yeah oh the jurassic park it's called her <laughs> <laughs> you're fine claire it's called her remember when he like falls in love with his phone oh, the yeah. voice in his phone and they have it and it's scarlett johansson's the mm-hmm. voice so she's mm-hmm. this really soothing lovely voice and then she does all of the things and they and he actually genuinely believes he has this relationship that cannot be far from the truth like yeah. we laughed about so it. you say this so there has been i mean one like everyone's been living in under heavy restrictions spending a lot more time in their home spending therefore a lot more time with their smart devices mm. and we vibe a vibrator company um, in the uk did a survey of their of people <laughs> i don't know the exact specifics but in their survey they found that people were starting to have emotional attachments to their smart speakers because they're home with them and they're interacting with them on a daily basis and it's so lonely indeed that they are forming emotional attachments to them and starting to have possibly romantic possibly sexual feelings towards them because this device is always available always you know eager to serve them basically mm. they're the ideal girlfriend without the nagging they're so agreeable she's yeah. so agreeable yeah that is really interesting and does it, it does not surprise me no, no. if you've got someone if you've had a really really lonely day or someone's been really mean to you or you go and say hey siri and she's like hi what can i do for you yeah we're like be my friend and she's like <laughs> my favorite color is and you're like that'll do <laughs> This is great. We're really bonding here, Siri. So there's this fabulous device um, in Japan. It's made by an organ- a company called Gatebox. And it's a little... Um, looks like a little kind of cloche type of thing. You put a um, terrarium. Is it terrarium or terrarium? I can never remember terrarium. which one. Yeah. one. I know one has turtles. I just don't know which. <laughs> it's, that's a tank. It's a fish tank. Okay. <laughs> that's called a zoo, Jenny. <laughs> The you're ocean. Welcome. <laughs> deep, deep ocean. Uh, David Attenborough, you're welcome. Fine, I'll spell that again. Ask Siri. Ask Siri. She's got this. <laughs> so there's this Japanese company called Gatebox, and they make this um, smart device. Um, Atsuma Hikari, I think her name is. I'm terrible at remembering names. Um, and she's this little hologram. And she looks like a schoolgirl. She's very coquettish. She wears really short skirts. She's very kind of like anime, kind of like plaits, big eyes. And she is marketed as the ideal girlfriend. So she, in the, there's this fabulous promotional video where you see her wake up her boyfriend to remind him it's time to get up. He gets ready for work. And she said, I think it's going to rain. Please take your umbrella. So he picks up his umbrella. And while he's at work, she messages him. I miss you. Please don't come home late. It's time for you to finish work. I'm waiting for you. So then he's messaging her on his way home to say, I'll be home soon. Oh. And there's also a, there's an image as well of him holding a glass of champagne to her, toasting their anniversary. So these devices are very much being positioned as actual relationship oh potential. God. But she's in a school uniform. There's so many problems. Yeah, well, she's, she's not in a school yeah. uniform, but oh, she's but that kind she's of... That, yeah, that it's that anime, that man. Yeah. Big, um, huge eyes, yeah. tiny child body with big boobies. Yeah. So there are kind of so there are key social contexts at play in terms of how and why these kinds of devices are being marked, are being created and being marketed mm. and being successful. And most of them play into what we've already talked about, about the wife drug. That people's idea of 
what they want out of marriage doesn't fit with our traditional sense of marriage and more people are turning away from a marriage and this is even more the case in countries like Japan and China so there are now and also with you know the the kind of the after effect of um, the one child policy means there is a significant portion of single men Mm. who are perhaps looking for a partner but unable to find a partner so these devices are coming in as actual wife replacements Mm-hmm. And what's the social impact of that? I mean, when, when men are not living with women, they're living with robots. I mean, what what what, what do we say that does to kind of our... I think it's called Darwinism. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know yet. Yeah. We have no idea. And the proposals to also implement these kinds of devices into other kind of other care settings, like... Mm. Um, Aged care facilities. Aged care facilities. It's, a, it's, a, it's an enormous thing in Australia. So um, there's a huge market for mm. um, animals. So mm. they have seals and dogs and cats who have. They're they're automated, so they, they respond to touch. They respond to being patted. Seals. Meow. Seals. Mm. Seals. A big market for seals. Apparently, <laughs> especially in um, facilities with um, people with dementia or Alzheimer's who are confused. Um, and it has an enormous kind of therapeutic benefit, but also the criticism is that it's being used in place of genuine human care, and that we don't understand the implications of replacing human care and human interaction with devices because it's not researched, and we're using it as a kind of an easy out. And it's the same with what you're talking to. We have a generation of men who are learning to use robots as wives, and it's an enormous gamble because mm. we don't understand yes. the impact. And yes. we can just guess by the context, but it's an, it's a social risk. And this is like in China where all, like, so much technology is being developed. But I know in between the mid-90s and the, like in the 2000, mid-2000s, there was 1.1 billion baby girls that would that had died between or were killed between China and India and so that that has just left so all this was the idea where boys were just like so 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 like valuable and the girls were much less valuable and so there was you know obviously lots of little girls who like just didn't survive that and so that obviously when there's so much technology being developed in these countries and there's a huge need for Mm. there to be a replacement for a woman or a wife these things are going to develop and then the western world is going to kind of embrace it in some degree and be like yeah well it's fine in if it's available yeah. then it means it's okay if it's available then it's ethical and if it's available then every obviously there's been a number of scientists behind this who have said yeah that's absolutely fine and to do that risk, right? we assume I mean we assume this degree of kind of scrutiny and understanding of the impact particularly when we're consuming the product but the reality is that the technology and the the ease that it creates in our lives and the accessibility of things like you know I, I, I don't have to tell, you know, I have to program a song, or I don't have to tell something to turn on the lights or turn on the oven. That ease of kind of life is, is super, is easily supersedes what is the impact. And that's mm. what we're living here. I mean, Siri, Alexa, all sex robots, all the automated things that we're buying and consuming, we don't understand their impact, but we can only guess because of the impact of gender inequality in our community and if it mirrors the way that we not only think of women but we talk to women we can assume that it's embedding and reinforcing these really really problematic ideas and ones that have a devastating impact on the way that women and children live in our communities yeah totally we've it's such a slippery slope and when the money is like when money is made instantly it's like we'll work out the problems later exactly yes. we'll work out. this is fine yes <laughs> yeah could be wrong with this yeah yeah so so your 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 yours and your landy's um like solution to this is not to change not, not to be like oh we'll just make them blokes names or half half or whatever yeah. it is to make them more assertive or to maybe pro- promote more of a um a healthy conversation if this if this is kind of if siri is like a you know a conversation for people Mm -hmm. she's like you know she can't she responds to you that is just a lot of people a conversation you ask her a question she responds you ask her she says i don't know what she said and so you respond and so there is like to and fro Mm -hmm. so if this is kind of um, if this is a conversation that is happening and we know that it's a robot, we everyone who is not a child knows that it's a robot, mm-hmm. but we understand that it's a slippery slope, your solution is... 
to make her what? We've got a number of ideas that we think would help. Mm. I mean, one is, like you say, being more assertive, Mm -hmm. being um, more having more variety in terms of the types of personality that we see Mm. in in these devices um, to better represent the kind of diversity that we actually have in life. Yeah. Mm. Um, And then there's... But there's so many different layers at which we think that intervention would be useful. Mm. So there's intervention in the industry level in terms of making sure that there's diversity within the teams that are designing yeah, these products. So they're not just all white blokes, right? Exactly. Yeah. Not all just white blokes. Um, but also different sets of skills like sociologists, anthropologists, mm. psychologists coming in. Not just, it's not just tech skills, it's social skills we need to think about in terms mm. of these devices because they are being used as social devices. Yeah. Um, then there's thinking about the way in which we engage with and talk with these devices. So mm. one of the other things, I don't know, have you seen um, the Fixed It campaign? No. Which um, there's a woman who, she started the campaign and very vague, I know, a woman. Um, I can't think of the name. Bronwyn um, the Sex Robot. It was Bronwyn the Sex <laughs> Robot started this campaign <laughs> that basically any time there's a news headline that is around gendered violence, will rewrite it Mm. to accurately describe the perpetrator and the victim Mm. in a way that places the... makes the... the, takes the passive element out of the perpetrator, Mm. which is often the way way that um, gender crimes are often produced and uh, written about in the press, is, you know, the... It'll be like, oh, I don't know, I can't think of an example... But it will be... Um, I mean, great, a great example was a, a, a telly series that you were talking about recently, Bron, where... Um, Bluey. Exactly, it was Bluey. There's a dog with a sister. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a man in, in the States who killed his wife and his children. Oh, yeah, that was the worst. Horrific, worst. horrific way. Mm-hmm. And um, the immediate response was from the public that somehow the wife had deserved it and that men were pushed to a point. Yeah, one lady said, every man has his limits. Oh. Yeah, exactly. And so, so rather than kind of clearly frame it as a murderer and a victim, mm-hmm. the media portrays the voice of the public, which is kind of apportioning blame on both parties, just yeah. that one being dead. So it'll be like man, woman and children dead yeah. rather than man kills wife and children yeah. in aggressive attack yeah. Yeah. so that's the, that's the kind of premise of the um, fixed it campaign yeah. okay. which is putting the putting the action with the perpetrator yeah. Yeah. and you know identifying it more clearly in terms of what has actually occurred and that must have been quite recently right because I know that even Rosie Batty had to have had to deal with yeah. a lot yes. so yeah. she's done heaps for that yeah. and I, got, yeah. I don't know how that woman has survived all the things that she survived but the backlash mm-hmm. of her even standing up and being like hey guys can we do something about this and yeah. they're like why do you trust yeah, you exactly. like, shame on you so there must that must be a recent thing right or it's is the it la- it's the last couple of years yeah, yeah. see that's yeah, yeah, incredible yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've all had children in the last couple of years so that's very recent because <laughs> yeah, obviously my tired. brain doesn't work anymore <laughs> so, so Jenny just, so, we've, covered, we've covered so much in terms of of how we interact with mm. and how we consume technology. What would you tell our listeners about getting, you know, getting a smartphone device or talking to Siri on your phone? How should we shift those interactions? Um, so personally, for me, it's been thinking clearly about the way I interact with the device mm. um, and not falling into. Um, I try not to yell at my smart devices, especially if I've got my daughter around me. Um, But the main, I think the clear one is um, thinking about who the device is being used for in the home, Mm. who's bringing the device in. Uh, I mean, something that we haven't touched on is that these devices also are increasingly being um, identified as tools in domestic violence cases. Mm. 
So that plays into what I started talking about, about the whole digital housekeeping and the work of who brings the device in. So very often devices are set up by a particular person in the home who does all the settings, who configures it to respond to their voice particularly, Mm. who maybe can control it from an app on their phone when they're not even in the house, Mm. who can listen into the house when they're not in the home, who can watch it if you've got cameras. Mm. So it's not that the devices in and of themselves are evil or problematic or that any, you know, or that they shouldn't be in the home, but I think there's there's kind of a, a duty of care in terms of the way these devices are implemented into the home that they are accessible to anyone you would expect them to be accessible within the home and that basically people can opt out of using them mm. um, it should you know it should be a household decision as to whether or not they're in the home and you should have to I mean if you are in a family and you have a user who's the dominant user you should inform the other users that do you know that we are using Find My iPhone to monitor you? And so I know where you are. And we know from you know family violence incidents in Australia that often a perpetrator will use somebody's smart device to monitor them, mm-hmm. to monitor them, to mm-hmm. know if they're calling. They'll install what are, what are often called um, ghost apps on people's phones mm-hmm. so they can see who they're calling, what they're texting, what they're writing. It's, it's who, who, so I've got so many questions, but, but who makes an app like this and does not think that bad people go and use This them? is a fascinating space, Brian, mm-hmm. and often they, they're, they're made by, by app creators in you know a, a country which wouldn't have the same level of regulations or family violence legislation that we do and they're proliferate there are so many and they're not they're they're very rarely specifically marketed as kind of coercive control Mm. apps they're all about like you know they're masked as something else but they're well but but, but i wonder i just am so perplexed as to what else could be masked as like find out what your wife's texting it could be something really nice to your mum it's just just always clever characterization to avoid you know the apple and and um android um the providers are on to the apps being used and they're they're constantly cancelled but there's a new one pops Mm -hmm. up in their Mm -hmm. place all the time and yeah, okay. it's just, and then, there will always be somebody creating what the demand is and the demand is for particularly men in our community who want to control women to monitor them and to see what they're doing so that they can shut down their behaviours to control them Yeah, and that's even that's you're talking about very specific apps Yeah, but I mean I've been in friend, I've been in a friend's house where we're sitting talking and uh, suddenly we hear a voice and mm. it's coming from the Alexa speaker and it's her husband because she hadn't answered her phone, so he had just tapped clicked into in. the clicked in. Yeah. So he can hear us talking and is calling out to us. Oh my god! To try and like to try and get a com- to have a conversation yeah. to find out about what's happening mm. later in the evening. So it's not necessarily like you, you can have very specific coercive apps that are designed for that purpose, mm. but also it's any device in the home can be used for a variety of purposes it can be used for the comfort of people in the Mm -hmm. home Mm -hmm. but it can also be used for the discomfort of people in the home and it's that neutrality and that ease of use that is the problem but it's also the perception of neutrality that Mm -hmm. this is going to Mm -hmm. be going to help your family it's to assist you to living an easy life but the reality is it's being used for purposes that we know are really dangerous and problematic and i get invited into conversations about things like should we be using smart locks? Are they safe? Mm. And the focus is always on the unknown mm. person outside What's the home. What's a smart lock? A smart is lock it? is a lock on your front door that yeah. you can oh, unlock yes. using an app on your phone. Okay, great. And Terrifying. But it's definitely going to be used in scary movies. <laughs> oh <my> Absolutely. <laughs> and the, the, so like, you know, how easily can they be hacked? Should people have them? It's like, the hacking is less the problem. Oh, mm. it's, yeah. It's about whether or not... It's about who in the home is going to have access yeah, to it. and mm-hmm. how they're going to use yeah. it and for what purposes. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, we've, we've covered a lot in this episode from kind of the hazards of smart technology and its gendered nuances to the risks of all this emerging technology and also what you can do with sexy robots. But <laughs> I, think, I think the takeaway is a degree of caution, right? Like with, with, with new technology, the... The, the the value or, or the idea that it can ease our mm. lives and make our lives better always comes before the, oh my God, we didn't know how this would affect our yeah. community. And yeah. this is, you're, I think you're identifying the hazard here and that we've jumped into smart technology without understanding what it will do to families. 
Yeah, not to the individual. Yeah, yeah. We've we've in, we're introducing these technologies in at an increasing and alarming rate, mm. and not really unpacking all the problematic um, assumptions that are informing the way they're designed and the way mm. they're now being used within the home, and how like say how that's gonna unpack later. Yeah. Mm. And not to say like you know as I said. I don't, I'm not against them. I'm just against some particularities of them. Mm, mm. It's fascinating. I think because oh, I remember when I first met you, Jenny, when I found out what you were studying, I was like, I never thought of that. Yeah. I had never thought about how the voices were all women and I didn't understand why. So your brain's incredible and what you have studied is amazing. The fact that, like, I'm going back to really early in the podcast when you said you went to a talk and you met Yolandi and you were both talking on the exact same thing, <laughs> was that really similar to turning up to your year 10 formal and wearing the same dress as someone? <laughs> no, that was way more embarrassing than I did that. I turned up, I actually turned up to my graduation ball and four other people were wearing the same oh, dress. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I showed up and just as I'm showing up, my best friend in the cab on the right like saw someone else walking in. No. I was like, Oh, Please tell us about your hair. And then I went in, <laughs> and then I discovered that there wasn't just one. Then oh, I saw two. Then one. I saw three. So I rounded us all up and made us all stand together and have a photo. Yeah, embracing women who were magnificent. I was like, "Come on, we all chose the same dress. Let's get together. Come on, in we go." Oh, so right I think right that's nice. actually my yeah. favorite dress, my favorite photo oh. from my graduation from university is actually the photo of all the, these women all wearing the same dress. Incredible. And was was one of them Yolandi? <laughs> no, I met her. About <laughs> 20 years later. Oh. Yeah, it's actually amazing. Um, thank you so much, Jenny, for coming on today. It's been such a pleasure to oh, talk to you about it. your book and your incredible ideas and just everything we haven't thought about about the impact of technology in our lives. Um, we will be posting links to your book on our website, mm. and it's just been a joy. I hope yeah. Pachina's like it. Yeah, yeah, so they'll read all about it. <laughs> 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 all right, <laughs> thank you so much.